0: Welcome to the Humans of FinTech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Now, today we are joined by David Heron, Head of Standards at Pay.uk. Pay.uk is the UK's retail payments operator. David has spent years as a bank supervisor at the Bank of England before moving into FinTech in 2019. So he's here today to share his story and some of the lessons and learns along the way. Welcome, David. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Nolly. It's been great to be here. Thank you.
0: So, could you start off by telling us a bit more about Pay.UK and, of course, the wider mission?
1: Sure. So Pay.UK, as you rightfully introduced at the beginning, is the UK's retail payments operator. Uh, and we manage backs uh, for salary payments, pensions, the faster payment services that some people may have used through their banking app and check clearing. But there's a whole load of other things that we do as well, like confirmation of pay and request to pay. We're also building the new payments architecture, the NPA. And this is the future way that we'll be sending retail payments within the UK but as a standard set organization, as well as an operator, we also set standards for UK retail payments. So pay.uk determines with industry how data should be standardized to ensure that everyone from businesses to personal customers gets the benefits of improved quality and quantity of data that could be sent with a payment. So when you're standardizing data, what you're basically saying is you're you're putting it into a de- defined structure so that when the sender sends it in a st- structure, the recipient receives that data in the same structure. And then you're also defining the specific usage so that when I send data to you, you've understood it to be exactly defined in the same way that I intended it to be. So we're, we're, we're an operator, but we're also um, a, a standard setting organization and we work very closely with the Bank of England as operator of CHAPS. And the PayDot UK mission fundamentally is about being the smartest way to move money. Now we have a huge customer base from big banks to small companies, businesses and ordinary people. And we're all about making the journey for retail payments easier, giving clarity about payments, And also making them robust and resilient as possible as well as being secure protecting people and their businesses
0: thank you for talking us through all of that because you know the job title head of standards i've not come across it before but of course this is actually the you know everything that is living and breathing within the business altogether so tell us a little bit about what your role actually entails
1: sure My my role covers both the the, the current world, and that's the backs, the faster payments, but also the new world, this is the MPA, the new payments architecture. And fundamentally, when you're sending a, a, a UK retail payment, we sit right in the middle. So if you take a, a sending bank and then a receiving bank, we sit in the middle as the kind of the clearer. Uh, and what we do is we ensure that the data that's sent. So, for example, a BACS payment has all the necessary data that's required for a BACS payment to be made, structured in the right way and also defined in the specifically the right way as well. For things like BACS or confirmation of pay where there's only a few data fields, that could be quite simple. But for more complex systems, particularly around the MPA, which is moving to a new data standard known as ISO 20022, what we have to be careful there is that ensuring that the the improved quality and quantity of data that could be sent with a payment message is structured the right way and is defined the right way as well. And so my team look at that and make sure that it works very closely with not just the Bank of England as as the operator of CHAPS, but also thinking about cross-border payments as well.
0: Now, one of the things that we've spoken about in quite depth has been your experience working within the banking environment and now within fintech. Share some of your career journey and your path into fintech.
1: Sure. So my career journey has basically been over the last 15 years or so. Um, I started working off at Barclays as a credit risk modeller before moving after a number of years to the uh, the Financial Services Authority, um, which then broke up into the PRA and the FCA. Um, And I then moved from broadly into uh, credit risk modeling into uh, banking supervision, looking at some of the largest US banks uh, that have a very big presence here in the UK and in the EMEA region. Uh, And then it's that point that I then um, moved into working with pay.uk. With my risk background, it was important that ensuring that, you know, the robustness and resiliency foundational, which pay.uk sort of prides itself, um, I could tackle and I could work with um but then of course what that meant was that I could get into more detail with some of the the technical data standards as well so I, I've been fortunate enough that I work with a private organization but I've also worked centrally uh, as a as a bank regulator at the Bank of England but also as a central operator as well so it's allowed me to see the total different sort of nuances and and, and necessary motivations that different uh, organizations in the ecosystem might have And as I say, as a result of that, that's allowed me to come into people from all over the world. So when I was working at Barclays, I managed to sort of get get involved with people from from the African region and from the US region. And of course, working uh, as a US bank supervisor at the Bank of England allowed me to see, again, different supervisory techniques from the Fed and the OCC right through to to the EBA and the ECB and what their thinking was as well. So having those different kind of angles has allowed me just to kind of see the different motivations and the different angles that people themselves have.
0: It's great, isn't it, just to see those different angles, those different motivations, those different perspectives. Can you share a few more of those in in perhaps a little bit more
1: detail? Yeah, sure. I think the experience that I've had has allowed me to see people from different sort of cultural backgrounds um, and educational backgrounds as well. Some of the best people I've actually worked with um, had almost no educational background. Some came straight from school, some at GCSE level or A level, and we were able to put them, certainly as a banking supervisor, in contact with the firms that we were supervising. Fundamentally, it's about, for me, having people who have got a real get up and go attitude. I think a lot of technical stuff can be, you know, learned either on the job or or in books, but actually having people who've kind of got the right attitude the people that can take work off other members of the team do it at a high quality and do it on time is fundamentally a common thread that runs through everyone that i've experienced that's you know been of good value um, throughout my career
0: it's brilliant hearing that you talk about people um, and i know that people people strategy is just central to your whole ethos and what you bring to your role and the business i wanted you just to share some of that people strategy with us
1: yeah, sure. I, I mean, fundamentally, I mean, some of this isn't really kind of rocket science. I think it's just treating people with respect. And that sounds quite cliched. Um, and people are different. You know, I, I I personally like having people say thanks. But equally, I've worked with people who say you don't need to say thanks We Just get on with it. So but, but but fundamentally, it is about treating people with respect. And, and at the end of the day, my perspective is this is a job. It's not my life. It is a job. Um, I happen to enjoy my job I enjoy the people that I work with they all come from as I said different backgrounds they've got people here who are a lot older than me I've got people here who are a lot younger than me and it won't be that long before I'll be working with people who weren't born when I first started working but it's understanding just having a, a treating people with respect giving them a bit of space giving them ownership getting that balance right between ownership but also giving them that accountability and when things go wrong it's making them aware of what's going on, why, and how to get it on better for, for next time, so that people aren't walking around on eggshells. And again, that's something that I've learned from my career as well, is, is not raising something or being too scared to raise something. Now, that's easier said than done, when you only kind of learn through that through your own experience. But fundamentally, it's just, it's a job, first and foremost, and it's a job that I'm working with people I can have a joke with. I can have people who respect me. I respect them for what they bring. So, again, it's not kind of rocket science. It's that sort of stuff that you would just kind of how would I want to be treated? And and when I, do, I wake up on a Monday morning and do I want to log in or do I want to come into work? And if the answer is yes, then I think I've kind of created that environment with others, because it's not just one person that does that. It's everyone else has got to have that vision as well. And I think that's quite a good thing.
0: It's really interesting because you cover so much there in that answer, and you know the, the foundations of that. You started by just giving us an example of hearing the word thanks. That that means a lot of different things to different people. Some people need it, some people don't, and that's because you know fundamentally everybody's different. And I think that whenever we've spoken about this topic, you've you've always been so so keen to to showcase exactly what you've been doing throughout your career to encourage different people to be able to showcase who they are within that working environment when we look at that from an industry perspective and we think about what more people should be doing for genuine workplace inclusion what would your advice be
1: i think stick to to your guns i mean a lot of this only comes through through experience and maturity and learning from your own mistakes there's, and it's not just at work. It's about your own relationships, personal relationships as well. You know, How would I want to be treated? Did I treat that person the wrong way? Did I treat that person the right way? Was I treated badly? And if so, what does that mean that I would want to do in future? It means, A, I wouldn't want to treat somebody like that because I know that how I feel. Equally, I wouldn't want to work for somebody necessarily like that again in the, in the future. So I think it's what can the industry do? I think it's just respecting people and trusting people. Ultimately, with that, there comes an accountability. So so for example, uh, if, if I were an organization where I was 100% working at home, then I would want to make sure that my boss knew that I was working and producing quality output. So it's being visible without being too doing too much FaceTime. time. Um, but it, it, the, the respect goes both ways. It's identifying someone, first of all somebody who would respect you and equally, you know that you want to, to respect them as well. So it, it, that's fundamentally I think what it's about because you only get paid once a month. And so those <laughs> other 20 odd days have got to be enjoyable, So there are lots of things around that. As I said, we talked about sort of experiences that you can have, you know, know, options to to go traveling or options to do different types of work. But Fundamentally, it's the team that make it. And one of the core things about my organization right now is I work for a a line manager who has great respect for me and I have great respect for them. I have people who work for me who I have great respect for them and they have great respect for me. And at times I've suffered a little bit of imposter syndrome. Of course, I think you have that whenever you go into any job. But that's part of the reason why I brought people in who could support me, people whose my my role is not necessarily at times to be uber in the technical detail. But my role is to give the steer to foresee events that might happen if we were to take a wrong turn. So a lot of this is is personal respect. And a lot of this is about professional respect both ways.
0: Really interesting listening listening to you just give us all of those examples, because you're talking about respect both ways, visibility both ways, um communication both ways, uh, enablement empowerment to to some extent as well, and I think that um what's really stood out for me is is just what you said there about you know you get paid once a month, but it's about you being happy throughout the entire month. And, you know, where does that happiness come from? And are we listening to one another to understand, you know, those differences? So it's really, really useful hearing your experience of that, especially coming from a traditional financial services institution and now being so pivotal in creating the environment in this much newer uh, fintech.
1: And one thing, you know, as much as the the corporate private world gets slated at times, I think one thing that it has done that I reflected on over the festive period was it, it's it's made me more attuned to certain things that perhaps I wouldn't have been so if you think about mental well-being right is it is a prime example where if I had not been working in a corporate environment it is unlikely that I would have been attuned to it as I had done in my spare time I I do a bit of uh, improvisation and comedy and one of the things that's come out there recently is about knowing about people's boundaries so in the in extreme cases you have people who don't want to be touched in any kind of you know, performance environment at all because they feel very uncomfortable. I would not have been aware of that. So that respect is just being mindful of people from different backgrounds. Either that means their their ethnicity, their religion, um, their gender, whatever it happens to be, just being very mindful that I might be comfortable with this, but other people might not be. And so one of the things I say that I think that the corporate world, the private sector world has done very well at, is making people a bit more attuned to it than perhaps others would have been as well.
0: And, you know just hearing you talk it's getting me thinking a lot about the responsibility an individual has to keep their peers their mentors their their boss up to date with the work that they're doing because when we talk about the future of work everyone talks about you know the remote working aspect and being able to work from home and how that that should be pretty much a given right this is this is what the uh, the noise from the market is but actually what we should be talking about is what must be a given is everything that you've been saying around communicating and being visible wherever you are in the world so that people around you know what you're doing how you're doing and you can collaborate
1: yeah and it's not just about monitoring i mean not too much of a fine point in it the only reason why I've really progressed in my career is is not because I knew anything of technical value, right? It's actually mainly because I went in, I took took work off my boss, I did it to a good, hopefully a good degree of quality, and I did it on time, and I kept them apprised. Now it's not necessarily about monitoring; it's just how can I make your life easier. And it has, it's say, it, it, it there is a human aspect to it, right? No one I question people who enjoyed seeing other humans really struggling under stress and feeling nothing. So there's that angle, but equally is the angle of, you know, I I do want visibility. I do want people to see that I'm good at what I do. Part of the reason why I go and do conferences and presentations is because I do want people to to see what I, I do. Can I talk about what I do in a way that people understand? Or actually, is it too complex? Do people switch off? So a lot of this is also not just about monitoring. It's about putting yourself out there and thinking, how can I improve it? And that's the other thing as well. It's not just I've done it once. That's it what was good, what wasn't so good, not being too, you know, harsh on yourself after, because I know plenty of people who come away and think, oh, that was absolute rubbish when they presented or something, but actually thinking, yeah, what, what were the good aspects, what were the bad aspects, and what are the aspects I can work on for next time? It's all about how I can, you know, make things easier for other people in my team, but also thinking about the longer term uh, potential that I might have in my career as well and putting myself out there.
0: So if um, anybody listening is working in traditional finance right now and wants to get themselves into the fintech world, what advice would you give them?
1: I, I think it's, you know, go, go and develop your network. Right. And when you're speaking to people and you're, you're forging connections, it's important that those people, you have to think about it from their angle. What's in it for them? If you're forging a new contact, you're at a conference, you might be online or whatever. What skills do you have? And what can, how can you help them in what they're doing? Again, come back to the argument that I have sort of had through my career. How can I take work off my boss or key stakeholders to make things easier for them so that they can then buy into what I'm trying to do? But there are lots of, I could be here talking for hours about the kind of things everyone's got a view about it. But fundamentally, those are the things. It's treating people with respect, making sure I get treated with respect as well. Having the courage to turn around. Now, I might not have the courage to turn around in my organisation and do that. And that's very understandable at all stages of your career. But knowing actually when enough is enough and having some, you know, your own self-respect. And actually then going out and putting yourself out there and, and being confident. Knowing when things are going really well and having that security and that confidence. But also knowing that didn't go so well and being pragmatic about it. Remembering it's a job. It's not you In person, in your personal life, it's a job. It's a professional feedback, and there's a time to knowing when to to take that feedback personally, and most of the time, knowing when to not take any of that feedback personally. It's all about you moving forward. Mm.
0: And and I love that. It's all about you moving forward. And you know, as a recruiter within this space, I'm I'm super passionate about supporting people in that forward movement. My last question, then, let's say somebody is thinking to apply to um, a tech company. Or they might consider applying to a fintech company. what would you be saying to them to tell them why fintech is the place to be
1: it's It's very exciting. There are different players in the you know operating in a kind of the fintech ecosystem. There are central players like you know regulators um, operators and then there are people who are doing you know commercial offerings and then there are people that are you know possibly providing offerings for different um organizations or people in society so for example you think about a fintech that might be providing a certain type of service to vulnerable people so there are lots of different things explore it see what kind of peaks your interest because not everything will and that's okay like no one went to to, to school and, and and enjoyed every single subject there are certain aspects that you did you did enjoy and others that you didn't so go and kind of explore what you you think is interesting and then go and start speaking to people go to conferences find out what is interesting and one of the things that's floating my boat right now is is a lot of talk around data sharing and fraud I find that really really interesting there's a lot of talk about data sharing but actually how can you get effective data sharing and really driving out that angle has been really interesting for me so Find out what, what floats your floats your boat. Find out who are the kind of the key people. Go and find out maybe when they're speaking next. Or maybe organise a coffee for them. But again, remember, they are going to take time out of their diary for you. So what can you offer them? And then when you do get into that position, fundamentally, it's always been for me, not necessarily about being, being the technical side of things, it's about how can I take work off other people? Not too much that it becomes a burden on me, but enough that makes your life easier Make sure, you, you know, there's a mutual respect there. Take your work off you, do it to a high quality, do it on time, and be a key person within the team because fundamentally you're working with people every single day. I have a team right now I thoroughly enjoy working with. They're all, you know, people who who want to to give their best. They're all people who I enjoy spending time with as well. Can you be a team player?
0: It's, it's really fascinating having you give, give that great advice because it's connect, explore, ask questions, add value, and you will progress your career. So, David, it's been absolutely brilliant having you join me on the Humans of Fintech podcast series. There's been so many parts that we can take away from that. So thank you for sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.